Glory. Glory. Amen. Hey, I'm Elish, and this is Jezebel and Friends, where my friend Helen and I are going to share some of our stories from Catholic school. Hey, I'm Helen, and to give you some context, we attended a K-8 through grade Catholic school and then an all-girls Catholic high school. This episode will be about Pam Stencil. Last week, when we were recording our Fully Alive episode, we remembered about the crazy videos we saw that were Pam's that were shown to us during our sex ed, and we just had to show you guys more of the crazy stuff about her. And we're going to use code names because we're good people. Also, the show contains some dark themes. Pam uses fear-mongering and shame tactics, graphic language about abortion and sex to misinform her young audiences. Okay, so we'll just start by giving you some background on Pam from her Wikipedia page. (laughs) So Pam Stenzel was born in 1965, so she's in her mid-50s today. She's an American speaker known for lecturing to young people about abstinence-only sex education. She has been described as one of the country's most established abstinence-only lecturers and speaks to more than half a million young people every year around the world. It says that Stencil was conceived when her mother was allegedly raped at the age of 15. Her mother then gave Stencil up for adoption, and we never get to hear the end of it. (laughs) She attended liberty university which is extremely telling if you don't know about liberty university you should definitely look it up it's an insane christian school run by the biggest hypocrites of all time there's a documentary about it on hulu called god forbid which i highly recommend it was founded by jerry falwell senior now his son Jerry Falwell Jr. Actually, his son is, like, banned from school property now because of all the crazy (laughs) stuff he did. But they're, like, major Trump supporters and um, sexual deviants themselves, but they don't allow their students to, like, drink alcohol or have sex or anything. And um, I've actually watched a few YouTube videos about people sharing their experiences from Liberty University And their education was so bad that places just don't take degrees from that school seriously. So it's very telling that Pam went there. And the fact that her degree is in psychology is, like, so scary. I think that's what makes a lot of her lectures so confusing because she will bring up psychology lessons and, like, things that, like, experiments and studies and research that is highly respected in the psychology community yeah when I remember when we watched this in class in eighth grade and we watched the exact episode that we're both gonna play a ton of clips from and where the clips were from in our last episode I really believed like most of the stuff she said well yeah because she's up there like I the one thing I will say is she knows how to like be on a stage and conduct an audience and captivate a room. The pace and cadence at which she delivers all of her 
information and opinions, it's presented in a way that's similar to a TED talk where you see someone up on a stage and you're like, I'm going to listen to them. They have something to say. She's very confident and speaks with a lot of conviction about the things that she's presenting to people, which is a huge strength if she were presenting material that wasn't so harmful. <laughs> like, she's using her talents for bad. The way she talks is, like, terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, like, cult leader-esque. So, her career, Stencil began her career counseling young women at, a, at crisis pregnancy centers and served as the director of Alpha Women's Center in Prior Lake, Minnesota for years. She's still super involved with that center, as I see from her Facebook page, which is super active, and she's still going strong since she's been doing this work for over 20 years at this point. Um, Her website states that after working at these centers, she realized many of the women who came there were unaware of the risks associated with sex and birth control, so she decided to become a public speaker. And then the last section is about controversy, which um, we'll talk about that later. But there was a high schooler who actually like stood up to Pam and that high schooler is a queen. Wait, I didn't know that. Is that one of the videos we're going to watch or is that an article? Yeah, no, it's a it's a video. Okay. Wow. How old was she? The high schooler? Yeah. I think she was a senior. Um yeah. Oh, she was 17. Yeah, no, the story's insane. I, this is obviously something I know that we're going to touch on through all of the videos and stuff that we watch, but back to your point under her career section on the Wikipedia page, just about how it says her website states that after working at these centers, she realized many women came there unaware of risks associated with sex and birth control. That is a valid point. There are risks associated with sex and birth control, but she glazed over so many important aspects of that, completely neglecting any type of sex education or how to practice safe sex, which I have a lot of thoughts and notes on that, but I just, (laughs) I want to edit this Wikipedia page (laughs) and go... (laughs) We should edit this. We totally should. That's such a good idea. We should edit it and mention that we have a podcast about it and list that as one of the sources. Shameless plug. Um, okay, so let's start by showing each other parts from that video with the blue background because that seems to be like the oldest piece of evidence that we have okay do you have clips from that one or am i the only one that was obsessed with that one (laughs) i have a few so there definitely could be overlap which i have recycled virgin brain integrity and just regular virgin okay i actually don't think those are any of mine i know there might be some students in here tonight who've had sex and maybe some of you are tempted to sit here and go you know what pam it's too late I really wish you would have given me this talk a while back, but it's too late. I've had sex. I hope all those kids who are virgins are listening and pay attention, but you're too late for me. If you've had sex and you've 
kind of tune me out, I need you to tune me in right here tonight. I don't care what you did before today. I care what you do now. And you can walk out of here and you can say, well, Pam, I've already done it and I don't need to listen to you and you don't need to listen to me. Do whatever you want. Maybe up until tonight you've escaped some permanent physical damage. I don't know that and neither do you. Please get tested. I am begging you, begging you, if you will do nothing else, please see a doctor. Girls, you have to. You need to get tested this week, again in six months, again in a year, two, three, four, and five. Who's to say the next time you decide to put this gun to your head, it doesn't go off? Who to say the strain of HPV you're carrying tonight won't kill you, but the one you get next year will? When are you going to begin to build integrity, discipline, trust? You could start tonight. Don't ever let anyone tell you that because you've had sex in the past means you have to keep doing it. You don't. I had a little girl in Alaska. She ran up to me. She goes, Pam, I am a recycled virgin. Like, cool. She said, when I was 15, I had sex. It left me with so much pain. And I knew, Pam, I was smart enough to know that I didn't want to keep getting used and dumped. I didn't want scarred fallopian tubes and cancer. Pam, I wanted sex to mean something. And I asked Jesus to forgive me. And I made a commitment to God, to myself, and to my future husband that I would never have sex again until the day I'm married. I said, sweetheart, that is amazing. You have been forgiven. Your sin thrown as far as the east is from the west. But sweetheart, someday when you get married, you're going to have to tell that boy what you did when you were 15. You will have to rehearse your past. He's going to have to know. But sweetheart, you're going to be able to look at that boy that day, and you're going to be able to say, I was forgiven. And for the last three years, five years, not last week. Last week I went to church and I changed. (laughs) For seven years, I have waited for you. I have kept myself pure. I have walked in integrity for seven years. And we're going to know what kind of damage was done. We've had those years to make sure she's okay. You can walk out of here and keep putting your life at risk. Or today you can say no more. Choice is yours. Someone's going, yeah, but Pam, if I I go to my boyfriend or girlfriend and tell them I love them, I I don't want to break up, but I don't want the sex, they'll dump me. (laughs) If I won't have sex, it's over. Really? What's your relationship based on? It's based on sex. Do you want to test a relationship that's sexual? Do you want to find out if they love you? Stop. See what's left. If they love you, they'll still be around. If they dump you just because you want to have sex with them, you just learned. Okay, the screaming. Like, across the board, that's her thing. Like, I know we already talked about how she gets up there and gives these speeches, but the screaming is insane and she almost speaks in like iambic pentameter (laughs) (laughs) honestly that reminded me of like a chris farley sketch like the way she yells and like looks down she looks so goofy i know it really feels like an snl sketch Quite literally, the only redeeming quality about her is like when she is emphasizing the importance of getting tested and going to see a doctor. That is the only thing that woman has ever said that I agree with because that is her form of sex education. She's like, go to the doctor and then everything else is just completely messed up after that. And... There is such a theme of her just putting so much of the responsibility and the shame on the girls. Yes, yeah. It's so upsetting. And I just feel that to my core because, like, I just 
remember when that happened to me and it was so harmful and it just it that is one of the things that really groomed me to be like a victim I don't have that many notes on this video honestly because as I was watching a lot of the videos I felt like they don't differ that much they're quite similar in her agenda and how she pretends presents the material there's not anything that new it's just that all of the points that she's making are really problematic and harmful okay should do you want me to show you one now yeah okay this one is so disturbing this is the video that we watched in eighth grade like from start to finish it's 48 minutes this first clip that i'm gonna play is honestly so disturbing that we might decide to cut parts out of it because it is next level last summer i had to deal with a 20 year old girl most painful things i've ever seen and witnessed when it underwent an abortion at 18 weeks dilation and an evacuation the abortionist dilated the cervix entered her uterus with a very sharp instrument that looks a little bit like pliers or tongs and literally ripped the child out in pieces in the process of performing this procedure he perforated her uterus grabbed a hold of part of her bowel and yanked it right through her vagina she was hemorrhaging in order to stop the bleeding they rushed her to an emergency room where they did a radical hysterectomy this 20 year old will never have children not only that they had to do a colostomy she's going to go to the bathroom in a bag on the outside of her body for the rest of her life a safe legal little fix to a problem no way abortion hurts women parenting is not easy this last may i had a seventh grader at a middle school i spoke at 12 years old pregnant with twins delivered in july it's gonna be a lot of difficult years 80 percent of teenage girls who choose to parent children while they're teens will live below the poverty level for at least 10 years, most of them for the rest of their lives, and 90% will never attend or graduate from college. So that was really disturbing. <laughs> so disturbing. And that is her using one story of an abortion that went wrong that we actually have no idea if that's even true. I don't know. God, it's really a theme I see with, like, Christians and, like, even when we think about the priests, the homilies that they would give, like, sometimes these stories just don't seem 100% truthful. Yeah. They use one incident as a jumping off point and then build on it from other stories. That's what it seems like. And, like, can we talk about how she just talked about a 12-year-old who was pregnant? Like, that is so scary. And why doesn't she talk about the fact that people who are under 18 legally cannot consent to having sex? Right. But that's another way for her to put it on women. If this 12-year-old was pregnant, that 12-year-old was raped, that 12-year-old is not legally able to consent to sex because they're a child, they shouldn't legally be forced to carry a pregnancy to term. They shouldn't even be put in a position where they have to make that choice framed within a scope of morals and what is considered right and wrong. Because the only thing that happened was something wrong. The child was raped. Right. But if Pam admitted that that was wrong, then she would have to admit that her own 
conception was wrong and that would be very hard for her. Yeah. So like that was the story that we heard in eighth grade because this is the video that we watched. That's crazy. Like we were told that a 12 year old should carry a baby to term when we were in eighth grade. And her being like, that's a mother regardless of the age. That's a kid. Right. We were 12 basically. So that's disturbing. I want to show you the brain one. Okay, great. (laughs) It's from the same video with the blue background. She's so scary. I know. She's talking to them so manipulative, just trying to, like, be their friend. Like, I don't know you. (laughs) I don't know if you realize this, students, but your most important sex organ that you have has nothing to do with what's below your belt. It's your brain. It's right here. And you know what? Lately, we've been able to study your brain and find out what uh, helps people to bond, what helps monogamy. Because we couldn't study this before because we'd have to, like, drill your skull open and try it, you know, and that would be quite unethical. So now we actually have the technology through MRI to study a healthy, working brain, to watch the brain function. And we found some things out about the brain as it relates to sex, and it's been absolutely fascinating. We found out that your brain, our brains, uh, produce neurotransmitters. And and even though um, males and females have some of the same transmitters, there's a couple that are very different. We are different, not just the body parts, but we're different in our brain. Males produce a neurotransmitter primarily at orgasm. Requires orgasm typically. And at orgasm, a male will produce a neurotransmitter called vasopressin. It's typically called the monogamy a hormone, or, or they'll, they'll refer to it as the monogamy piece. And, and some company's going to figure out how to, like, synthetically reproduce this in males' brains so that Tiger Woods can actually go to treatment and we can give him a drug. But here's how this actually works. That at orgasm, your, your brain produces this vasopressin, and it's a, an imprint of what's in front of you. You become bonded to what's in front of you. Now, in, in, in the design of our career, it's awesome because if you reserve that that huge like bonding for just your wife only time it ever happens with your wife it's amazing what the sight of your wife will do to you physically and that's why I love these older men and maybe you've seen these older couples who are old old you know like at least a little bit older than me just slightly and uh we're starting to kind of wrinkle and because it all goes and there's not enough plastic surgery to fix it (laughs) right Okay, some of you were like, oh, of course not. I think Joan Rivers is attractive. <laughs> Eventually it's all going. And, and this older couple, you'll see them being interviewed and they look at each other like, I love you. You are the most beautiful thing. I've, have you seen? I just, I lo- it's like Pavlov's dog. What we used to do is we would say, we want a dog. If you put food underneath the dog, he would salivate, right? So what we did is we put food and we rang a bell. We put food and we rang a bell. We put food and we rang a bell. And eventually we could remove the food and ring the bell and what would happen? Dog would salivate. We have created the response because we have paired those two things. We have bonded those things together over and over again. This is how this brain chemical works. If the only time that this vasopressin is released in a young man's brain is when he is looking at his wife, eventually the very sight of that woman will cause that response. It's amazing. The problem is, 
If that has been used over and over again with pornography and images and other partners and never been exclusive, it loses its ability to chemically bond. And we have a young man who is bonded to images and not to his wife. A lot of times boys will say to me, well, I don't see what the big deal is about pornography. I don't see what the big deal is about masturbation because all of that will go away when I get married. There is not one shred of research that shows those patterns of behavior prior to marriage go away after marriage. All you have done is damaged your ability to bond to that one woman by all of that stuff. Girls, we have a different neurotransmitter that's primary in our brains. It's called oxytocin, and it operates a few more times. Oxytocin can be released in a woman's brain with just hugging. It doesn't require actual orgasm. So hugging, and I don't mean like, hey, nice to see you. I mean hugging. Following me? Hugging. We'll release oxytocin. That's why I get so frustrated when I go to youth conferences or youth festivals and there's bands out and there's teenagers. Have you seen them? Mostly boys wearing t-shirts that say free hugs. Free hug. Free cop of feel. I want oxytocin released. That's what that's about. Because what the oxytocin does when it's released in a woman's brain is says, trust, bond, trust bond, right? Now, there's a huge release of oxytocin in, in a woman's brain at orgasm. Sexual orgasm re re uh, will release that. The other time women have uh, oxytocin released in their brain is at the onset of labor. Just before a woman goes into labor, there will be oxytocin released. And then the fourth and last time is while you nurse a baby, which I find fascinating. I love this because when we, ladies, when we nurse our babies, first of all, we get to hold them right here, right? They're right here. And a, the eyesight for an infant is not very, if, if, if it was way out there, they'd be like, blur, what? But, but, but when we hold them right here, they can see us and we are looking into our child's eyes. We're not cows. We're not in the field going, find it. I have other things to do. Not, we are holding that baby right here and bonding, right? So... So we are bonding with our children. It's so amazing. So this causes this trust in their bonding. Now, when it comes to relationships and oxytocin release, what we found with young women is when oxytocin was released in their brain, they trust people or bond with young men they shouldn't trust. How many of you ever heard the concept or the, the saying, love is blind? And everyone sees a girl, you know, you got her in your mind, ladies. You're thinking about that girl right now. You all know the guy she's dating is a complete moron. We all get it. I mean, we're all like, oh my Lord, she has lost her mind. <laughs> yeah, she has. It's called oxytocin. <laughs> oxytocin is clouding your mind. And this crazy person is all of a sudden somebody you trust. These things matter, students. They matter. And it's important. You're like, why did we have to know about, you know, cows and fields and nursing and blah, blah, because this is how we learn, our brains learn to bond and chemically bond. I used to t uh, take duct tape with me and I say sex has the ability to take two people and bond them like this duct tape. And I'd roll up my sleeve and wrap that duct tape around my arm and it'd stick really good that first time. And then I'd rip it off and pieces of my arm would come with the tape. 
And I'd, I'd go to the person in the front row and I'd stick it to their arm and it'll stick a little, never as good as the first time, but it'll stick some. Rip it off their arm, now we got all the junk from their arm and my arm. Move it on to the next person, stick it there, rip it off their arm, now we got junk from theirs and theirs and pretty soon this tape's gonna stick to nothing at all. It's got so much junk from everywhere it's been. You have sex with someone and you bond with that person and the junk from that relationship will be carried into the next and into the next into the next. Oh my God. Okay, for the people that are just listening, she moves like Chris Farley on the stage. And like she literally, her facial expressions and her body movement and her stature literally remind me of Chris Farley. And it's so crazy. The thing that is really cringe about her up there, like, because we're watching the video, so we can see how she's, I want to say, performing. Mm-hmm. She's really trying to relate to young people, and she's trying to be funny, and no one is laughing, because it doesn't make any sense. She's not funny at all. She really talks people in circles and just, like, confuses them and throws in a little bit of science, a little bit of shame, a little bit of, like, Christian nationalism and hatred of women. When her points aren't hitting the audience in a way that she initially planned, that's when she will bring in science or psychology when she was bringing up the thing about the older couples who have only been with each other and they're 80 years old and they still look at each other and are obsessed with each other nobody was understanding what point she was trying to make and then she goes like pavlov's dogs (laughs) ringing a bell and putting food in front of the dog and the dog salivates it just doesn't make any sense at all yeah you're completely right And the part about the tape was, like, really disgusting. Basically telling kids if they have sex with more than one person, they're a human dumpster. When she said, you have junk from everyone's arm, Mm -hmm. and you just keep accumulating more and more junk. This is part of a larger point, but, like, that metaphor is completely negating the fact that there is an alternative to that junk metaphor and it would just to be encouraging young people to practice safe sex but nobody knows how to practice safe sex because they're not even being presented that as an option the the priest i think it was um father beelzebub from our church (laughs) whose sister was allegedly a sex worker um in his words a prostitute into the words that he used to just explain it to children um (laughs) prostitute (laughs) he used metaphors like this too like um it was saying like it your virginity is like a piece of gum or something and like once you chew it up it's like gross and gone and it's this special thing to be coveted and only give to one person i think that's weird that video about the brain she is so obsessed with monogamy and only saving sex for the person that you're gonna marry the hugging thing at first i really didn't understand what was going on with the hugging i wasn't fully grasping if that was supposed to be her way of saying young women were having sex but then I realized she was really just talking about a hug maybe a more sensual or sexual hug 
<laughs> but she's just like missing the mark. Like the the free hugs t-shirts outside of concerts. I'm like, Pam, first of all, why are you just hanging out outside the concert? <laughs> yeah, the cop of feel part really stunned me. <laughs> So back to the video that we watched in eighth grade. If you're sitting in this room and you are sexually active or have had sex, let me tell you something pretty safe to say I know about you. It's true of teens all over the world. You actually believe that if you get up the next morning and herpes isn't tattooed to your forehead, you don't have a disease. I mean, if I can't see it, feel it, or touch it, I don't have it. If I had a disease, if I had a disease, I would know. My nose would turn purple, my ears would be red, something would burn. I would know. No, you wouldn't. If I asked you what the pregnancy rate was at your high school, you could probably tell me. We had eight girls get pregnant last year. There were seven girls at our school. We've got the highest pregnancy rate. But I don't know anybody at my high school who's got a disease. Really? First of all, your friends aren't getting tested. And even if they were, do you think they would tell you? Went to the doctor Monday, found out I had herpes. Tell everybody by fifth hour. I would like for the entire school to know. You think I'm going to tell you? There's no way. So you think walking down the halls are going to see it? Oh, purple nose, herpes, stay away from that. Oh, am I going to do that? So you think as you can't see it, feel it, or touch it, or know anyone with it, it doesn't happen. It doesn't work that way. The American Medical Association released a bulletin about a year ago. They said this, every teenage girl who has had sex or is sexually active has to be tested for chlamydia every six months. Every teenage girl who has had sex has got to be tested for chlamydia every six months. Cindy Crawford didn't have a few seconds to mention that. Couldn't fit that into her little schedule. Why did the AMA say girls? Why didn't they say every teenager having sex should be tested for chlamydia? Don't guys get this? Of course they do. Who in the world do you think you're getting it from, girls? Guys and girls both get this. So why would they say just girls? I'll tell you. Girls, listen up. Girls, you contract chlamydia one time in your lifetime, cured or not. And there's a 25% chance you will be sterile for the rest of your life. Contract this disease twice, girls, it jumps to 50%. Contract it three times, and there's a really good chance you will never have children. We've got women in their 20s, early 30s saying, I'd like to start my family now. I'm married, like to have a child. They try, can't get pregnant. They go running to an infertility specialist. He checks and says, my goodness, you've got all this scar tissue in your fallopian tubes, your ovaries, your uterus. You have pelvic inflammatory disease, PID. You had chlamydia or gonorrhea. What? What in the world did I have? How, how could I have had that disease? I didn't even know. It's too late, girls. Girls, I'm begging you to hear this this morning. Please hear me. That guy can break up with you, leave you, meet another girl, marry her, and have a family. This is not going to hurt him. You're scarred for life. You have more to lose, girls. Please don't miss this. I am so sorry. Life is not fair. There is no even score here. Girls, you are going to pay a higher price physically every single time. In case you miss this in sixth grade human reproduction and anatomy, we're different. Boys and girls' bodies are not the same. Some of you are looking confused. That's scaring me. <laughs> thought that was safe by now. Girls, girls, you all have an open sexual system. The guys sitting in this room all have closed sexual systems. Girls, you are easier to infect and easier to damage on a permanent basis. It's the way you're made. Girls, you have to release an egg from an ovary. It has to make its way through a fallopian tube that cannot be scarred in any way. If that takes place and conception takes place, this conceived egg now has to attach itself to your uterine wall. There can be no infection or scarring of your uterus if it's able to receive the nutrients in these baby girls for nine months you deliver. He produces sperm. 
big deal. It's not that hard. Girls, your system is just a little more complicated. It's the way you're made. Now the guys are ticked. I can see you. Well, that's tough. Well, well, if you think that's so easy, you just try that then. See, they let a woman speaker come in and talk about sex, and she's just dissing men. What's wrong with you? Some kind of feminazi or something? Don't you like men? I like men. I married one. I have two boys. And I'm going to say something really nice about a lot of the young men sitting in this room, so I don't want any guys with selective hearing. Okay, you got to pay attention to the whole thing, not just a little part. Girls, I've traveled this country. I've been in towns, cities, and schools all over this nation and around the world. And girls, in every school I've been in, and Alamania is no different, sitting in this room are young men of integrity, guys with character, girls, guys who do care about you. Girls, the kind of guy, if you were to date him, would look at you and say, I do love you, and you matter. The part where she was, like, walking around in the audience, like, she just looked so funny. It was so performative. Also, why did she bring up Cindy Crawford? I have no idea why she brought up Cindy Crawford. (laughs) Is that true about the chlamydia thing? I don't know. I have no idea. I think anything can be harmful if you don't treat it. Right. But she's not she's not addressing that. She's not saying like, oh, if you get a sexually sexually transmitted disease and then you get tested and then you treat it, you're fine. The way she presents her material is very reminiscent of the mean girl scene where the PE teacher is saying, Don't have sex or else you'll get pregnant and die. Well, if it's true, I could be down for the count. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. In this video alone, there is just so much insane stuff. Like it was it's always hard for me to even decide exactly where to stop it because we literally could just keep going, but she does repeat herself a lot too. There's another really bad part. Do you want to watch that part too? Yeah, and then that's my last part from the video. I actually have the ABC article about, like, her controversy is also insane. Okay. But that's when someone actually stands up to her, and it's, like, really awesome. Three weeks later, I flew to Jamestown, New York. Three weeks before I got there, nine seventh and eighth grade girls tested positive for HIV. They were all infected by the same young man, a 19-year-old by the name of Nushan Williams. When they found out nine of their seventh and eighth graders were positive, they tested 70 students in that district who had either had sex with that guy or with one of those nine girls. By the time I got there, they tested 500 teens in the county. It will be years before we know who's dying and who's not. I got done speaking at the middle school, and all the other 7th and 8th graders went back to class. And one little 8th grade girl, blonde, blue-eyed little girl, I will never forget her, waited till everybody else had left so she could talk to me alone. Just turning 14, just found out she was HIV positive. This 8th grader looked at me that morning and she said, Pam, how could he do that to me? He loved me. He loved her, you think? That's love now. Sex is love, and love is sex. If you love me, you will prove it. That's love now. Please tell me we haven't fallen that far. Sex isn't love, and love isn't sex. Let me tell you something about this little eighth grader, though, because she's not that different from some of you. She so desperately wanted somebody to love her. Anybody. Someone to say, you're pretty, you matter, I like you. She was willing to put her life on the line to get love. And she actually believed that if she gave sex to this guy, she'd get loved. What she got was used. It's not the same thing. What if we didn't have AIDS? 
What if we didn't have genital warts and herpes and chlamydia and syphilis and gonorrhea? What if I could give you a super condom? I mean, I can't. But what if we could? Use it, sleep with 20 people, it won't matter. Are there other reasons besides disease that we might want to wait? The thing that's so annoying about this is that, like, she's mad at people for, like, getting used and abused, and she's not giving them any tools to make violence prevention a thing or make them understand things, like, before they happen, which that's the part that really bothers me because you're just drilling in all this shame to victims. She's also equating abstinence with, like, integrity and having a moral compass rather than presenting to kids going through puberty that you can achieve that same level of safe or like self-respect for yourself through safe sex. It's very frustrating. And it's crazy like how much power she's actually acquired. Oh, I saw on her Facebook page when Roe was overturned, she posted a picture of this young white teenage boy holding up a picture of like a gravestone that had like row on it and she was like celebrating it and it was just really disturbing but it's like these are the people that actually like advocated to make that happen and we mentioned in the last video she was on like a task force for George W. Bush like that is really scary like this woman isn't just a lunatic on the internet like she has power and she gets paid thousands of dollars per speaking engagement and like has crisis pregnancy centers and stuff. She also loves to use the Black Lives Matter movement as a way to be pro-life and it's really jarring um, and she has a bunch of posts about it but one post I screenshotted the date of this post is very telling. It's June 5th, 2020. So this is like like a week or a couple weeks after the murder of George Floyd. So she posts, after the millionth time of someone accusing pro-life people of not caring about minorities who are born by asking, what have you done besides protesting and voting? I decided to actually respond. After writing it all down, I astounded myself, smiley face. I am the senior clinic coordinator for the community pregnancy clinics. We have four clinics, blah, blah, blah. They basically coerce people into not getting abortions. I speak in middle schools. I also answer a national hotline for safe haven baby boxes. And by the way, I added at the end, I was conceived in rape, adopted in love, which means I do not really know my ethnicity. She loves to mention that. I, she's clearly white, but I think she might like to mention that so that she can try to say like, well, I might not be white and use that to manipulate people. So I just thought that was like a very telling post. Like she centers herself in the middle of a horrible tragedy. Hi, this is Pam Stenzel, and I am so excited to be a part of the National Men's March. You might have Men's a March. woman a part of the Men's <laughs> March. Well, I'll tell you why, because I firmly believe that the voice that we're lacking in our culture is men of God, men of character, I'm so confused. men of leadership. 
And, and this fight to end abortion in our country requires the leadership of godly men. And that's why I'm so excited to support this movement of men from across the country are standing up and saying, you know what? We believe in the dignity of every human life from fertilization to natural death. And we are against the killing of innocent children in the womb. And we do not apologize. There's no compromise. There's no exceptions to that. Every child deserves life. So yeah, Pam was at the men's march. Didn't even know there was a men's march, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it was probably in Charlottesville with TV torches. <laughs> yeah, so that pretty much speaks for itself. The last thing is um, this ABC story. To give you some background, in 2013, a high schooler spoke out against Pam's insanity and the backlash that this brave high schooler faced was so insane that she ended up like basically filing charges against her high school principal. There is an explosive new phrase that's making its way into the vocabulary of teenagers this year. It is slut shaming, and it nearly tore apart one girl's life in a West Virginia high school, making national headlines. I sat down with her just this week. These are the sounds you might typically hear in the hallways of a busy high school. But one early morning in April of this year, this is what the students at George Washington High School in Charleston, West Virginia, were hearing. Oral sex is sex. Don't you dare tell anyone you're a virgin. Nearly 1,000 students on their first day back from spring break sat in an assembly in disbelief as this provocative Christian speaker, Pam Stenzel, preached to them about practicing abstinence. There's a student sitting in this gym who's had sex. Let me tell you something, I am pretty sure I know about you. Stenzel is an internationally recognized, highly paid lecturer. Keep your pants on! Brash and absolutely unabashed, she travels the world speaking to more than a half million young people each year about what she says is the importance of self-restraint. If you're here today and you're a virgin, can I say this to you just in case you don't hear it again? Please hear it from me. Good for you, good for you! But one 18-year-old honor student named Caitlin Campbell was so outraged by Stenzel's tone, she gave it a very loaded label, slut-shaming. Why did she use the word slut? Slut-shaming was just the word in the vernacular of GW and the... So it wasn't that you were saying that no. you're coining... Yeah. The vernacular, as you yes. put it. Yes. I mean, it's, it's your prerogative who you want to have sex with. It's none of my business. Slut-shaming is the modern-day scarlet letter, usually teens calling out other sexually active teens and mostly online. What shocked Caitlin was that it was an adult this time slinging the arrows. It just seemed like she was going out to get anyone who'd already had sex, and the tone she used was explicitly shaming. Don't you dare call yourself a pure person because you're not. And that's what I found particularly offensive. 
Caitlin is no ordinary adversary. She is the student body vice president with a 4.8 GPA that earned her a scholarship to Wellesley College in the fall. Yet Caitlin's decision to speak out against Stenzel would turn this once popular student into a pariah when half of her classmates turned on her. It started out with people saying, you know, she's a slut, she, she's a liar, like she's doing this for attention. I bet she's being absent, but not by choice. Arguably, she was already outnumbered. West Virginia is known for two extremes. The antics of those hard-partying college kids on the reality show Buck Wild. Being a country boy in West Virginia is like living in one big playground. And its deeply devout conservative roots. They're certainly a very religious, very pro-absence-only group in my community who really does believe that that method is effective. Caitlin's crusade began the night before Pam Stenzel was scheduled to speak at her school. She'd gotten a tip from a teacher who had seen this flyer. One of the key lines was that Pam Stenzel would be coming to GW to discuss God's plan for sexual purity. And GW is a public school, which is really what threw me for a loop. What Caitlin didn't know then was that Pam Stenzel's visit to her public school was funded by a conservative Christian group, Believe in West Virginia. But she found Pam's videos on YouTube, and that was enough to set her off. You were doing it before you walked the aisle. You're going to do it after. Past behavior predicts future behavior. This isn't rocket science. This is insane. Here's her message for mothers who put their daughters on the pill. This girl could end up sterile or dead. Caitlin decided to boycott Stenzel's talk at the school, but junior Carly Thaw was there, and she recorded it on her iPhone. Girls! You're scarred for life. She couldn't believe her ears. You've got all the scar tissue in your fallopian tubes, your ovaries, your uterus. You have pelvic inflammatory disease. She just accelerated as she started speaking and got really loud and kind of abrasive. It is unconscionable that anyone in this gym would ever have sex with another human being and not honestly tell that person everywhere you've been. She's very aggressive and very strong and forceful in her condemnation of anybody having premarital sex. For her to tell people that if you've had sex before you're married, you're impure, there's nothing you can do about it, you're screwed for life. It was just like, what are you saying? Never been According to Carly, Stenzel's assembly sparked plenty of anger and even some tears. She's telling, sitting there telling us that we're trash and we're useless if we've ever had sex before. School is supposed to be a place where you're safe and not where you should be shamed for what you have or haven't done. You know, West Virginia does have one of the highest rates of teen pregnancy. Number nine. Some people might argue Pam Stenzel's speech might help a couple teenagers avoid making a bad decision. I mean, it very well might. I mean, if you're afraid of having sex, then you probably won't. But I think there's a better, more scientific way to address sex than saying, just don't do it. After seeing her friends so distraught, Caitlin went to the media and gave an interview to a local newspaper. It landed her in Principal George Allenbacher's office, and she says he was furious. How would you feel if I called your college and I told them what bad character you have and what a backstabber you are? Your and principal said this to yeah. you? Did you feel that this was a real threat from him? I did. Caitlin says she was afraid of losing her $25,000 annual scholarship to Wellesley. 
but that didn't stop her from stirring up the hornet's nest. Her story went national. She appeared on CNN and in 17 magazine. A student and a principal squared off in court today. And she took Allenbacher's perceived threat so seriously, she filed an injunction against him and the school board to prevent them from retaliating against her. Including calling Wellesley? Including calling Wellesley. Are you ever going to retaliate against Ms. Campbell for exercising her First Amendment rights? I wouldn't retaliate against any kid. But that's when she says the community turned against her. There was even a hate on Caitlin Facebook page. As I walked in the hallway, everybody went silent. One of the football players actually spat on me. It was just really gross. Are you shocked at all that people would respond this way? I mean, I understood from the beginning that it was a really hot and difficult issue, but I never expected people to outright dislike me for that. We reached out to Principal George Allenbacher and the school superintendent, neither of whom would talk to 2020. So we went to Kanawha County School Board President Pete Thaw to ask who okayed Pam's visit to the school. That is a mystery. I know that she was paid for it privately. But you don't have any idea who at the school actually decided to have her come and speak to the entire school in an assembly? If I was put on the stand and put under oath, I really don't know. Next time, it won't be a mystery. Thanks to Caitlin's courageous fight, the school board has passed a brand new policy. From now on, any school speaker on the topics of sex, religion, or politics must be vetted by the superintendent. Ann Shokit is the editor of Seventeen magazine. Caitlin is a hero. She is a girl who knew in her heart that she was right, who stood up for her beliefs, who stood up to authority when, her, when she was at risk. Pam Stenzel declined our request for an interview, but she continues to spread her message to teens across the country. As for Caitlin, she doesn't intend to keep silent either. While her injunction against the principal was denied, her scholarship to Wellesley is secure. The college even tweeted her a warm welcome. How much did it mean to you to get that kind of support from your new college? It was exactly the validation I needed. Just last week, she received a National Student Leadership Award, and she hopes to one day become a lawyer for the American Civil Liberties Union. I mean, I feel like I've been given a unique position to be a vehicle for social change. I have the mic, so I might as well use it. So basically, Pam is totally unhinged and she can't seem to really be stopped, which is really scary. Shout out to the teenagers who went on the news and did all of that. That was before the Me Too movement. And I think they would have gotten a slightly more positive response if they did that post the Me Too movement. But they were really trailblazers and amazing role models. Thanks for listening to yet another unhinged episode of Jezebel and Friends. To learn more, you can find Ailish and I on Instagram. Ailish's handle is Boy. that's spelled E-I-L-I-S-H-B-O-Y-D, and at Helen Q. Passen, Helen Q. P-A-S-I-N. And we also have a Jezebel and Friends Instagram. It's spelled out Jezebel, the word, and friends. And you can also email us with any stories or testimonials at jezebelandfriends at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.